and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I am. I have emerged from the bushes to record a podcast today, so I can't complain. That's where I go to I hide between um, hot takes and elite quarterback debates. So. <laughs> But just another quiet week in the good old U.S. of A. I see. So, um, I guess we've got a uh, got uh, the big story out of the NFL today. Josh Gordon denied his reinstatement. You and I were talking a little bit before the show. Um, we wondered if he had maybe failed another test or something, but so far there's no reports of that. Um, sounds like the latest report he is agent. He and his agent split. Uh, a couple weeks ago, according to ESPN. And then the report about him not being reinstated, all it said was that he was reinstated and kind of recapped that last year he had been conditionally reinstated, had a four-game suspension, and then um, never returned. That He checked into rehab and never played, obviously, last season. So something's going on. Well, and it's hard to know what that something is. Um, obviously, most people are going to speculate or assume that it's another failed drug test, but it might just be that he's not, um, you know, being compliant with the drug program they have set up. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, some guys get, get hung up on that they don't want to do the follow through to try to actually address their problem. And so they never get reinstated. Yeah. So, and whatever the reason, um, obviously, is disappointing. A guy that talented just can't seem to get right. Um, I guess he can can reapply for reinstatement later on this year, but at some point you're going to look up and he's going to be 32 years old and hasn't played football. Yeah. So, you know, I hope it doesn't get to that, but it just, you know, it doesn't seem like this story is getting any better. No. No, and, and I had to look, too, but when we were talking to see, I couldn't even remember off the top of my head the last time he played. I guess he hasn't. In 2014 was the last time he played. God, that it's I, that it seems crazy that he hasn't played in two seasons. Right. And, you know, just especially because he's so good. Yeah. You know, if he was some guy who was average, we, we probably wouldn't miss him. But, you know, you see the kind of things this guy can do. And you just, you know, you just wish um, he could figure it out. Same way, uh, what's the kid from Jacksonville, the wide receiver from Jacksonville that went to Oklahoma State? Um, uh, Justin Blackman. Blackman, you know, and I guess with his, it was more so a drinking problem, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the guy's just basically disappeared. Now, nobody even really asked about uh, Blackman anymore, and, and sooner or later, the same thing is going to be true of Gordon. It's just going to kind of be one of those cautionary tales, and that's very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, super. You know, like just an incredibly talented receiver. I mean, you you forget because you haven't seen him play in two seasons. You know, just what a surprise he was. I mean, taken as a supplemental draft pick. I mean, second rounder by the Browns in the supplemental draft in 2013. Um, you know, supplemental draft, you don't usually expect receivers that can put up 1,600-yard seasons with the Browns and whatever terrible quarterbacks they roll out there. But lo and behold, here's this kid out of Baylor that comes in and does it, man. 
but he just, you know, he's obviously got a problem of some kind with this. And I'm not a big, you know, I, I mean, anyone that's listened to our podcast regularly knows that, you know, we have a more tolerant view of uh, marijuana usage by NFL players. But I mean, at some point, too, you just got to be smart enough to know when to put it away for a little while, too, you know. And the one thing I always say is, look, if you cannot, if you actually cannot stop, then yes, you have a problem. You know, do we normally think of weed as being an addictive uh, substance? Not really. Right. But there are some people that can be addicted to anything. Yeah. And so, that you know, that's my contention is, look, if you look up and you haven't played football in two years because you can't stop smoking weed, then you need to address the fact that you can't stop smoking weed. Yeah. Whether you want to call yourself an addict or not, there's a problem there that needs to be addressed. Maybe it's a mental health issue that makes you feel like you need it or what have you. But, you know, whatever it is, man, you know, regardless of what we think we know about weed and how addictive it is or isn't, it's the same thing with alcohol. A lot of people can tolerate alcohol and some people can't. Yeah. Okay. So if you're one of those people who can't, you need to address that. The same way if you're Josh Gordon and now you haven't played in two years because of presumably weed. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and to address it, you know, so that you can kind of move on with your career in, in, in a positive way. I mean, this is, you know, number one wide receivers are, you know, those guys can cash in in the NFL. And this was a guy that was, you know, had he been able to keep things on the straight and narrow for a little bit, you're talking about a second contract, a pretty nice little second contract for him. Look, even after those first couple suspensions, I think he came back and showed what he could do even when he wasn't really in shape. Remember yeah. he came back and he was barely in shape, but he still had like a 200-yard receiving game or something yeah. a year or something close. Um but, you know, he showed what he can do. And and, and I think people were going to throw money at him then, even oh, after yeah. he'd had the issues. And so, again, when you talk about missing out on that kind of money because you can't stop smoking weed, that has to be addressed. At some point, you have to look in the mirror and say, yes, I do have a problem. I might not be sure what that problem is, but there's only one way to fight and find out, and that's to go out and, and try to get some help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I, it's interesting too. I mean, this isn't. I mean, the Josh Gordon in, examples, and probably not the place to really like. I mean, not the best one to sort of, you know, take on the NFL's weed policy in and of itself. But it is interesting to see the movement on that. You know, now you had the Stephen Jones from the, from the Cowboys, Jerry's son, come out and say that, you know, they, they think it's time for the NFL to sort of revisit this. And obviously it's a collective bargaining issue. It's part of the collective bargaining agreement with players. So it has to be done at a negotiating table, not just, you know, by the owner's meeting or at an owner's meeting or something like that. But it's a... Uh, but here, here's, my, here's my thing, though. It's going to get done now because Jerry wants it Oh, done. yeah, for sure. And, and that's the thing that, that we have to recognize is that, you know, now this is Jerry's lead. It really is. Mm-hmm. You look at from back all the way back to the lockout to pretty much every big issue, the relocations. Remember when they pulled the switcheroo 
about which teams they thought were going to be approved to be uh, relocated yeah. and which weren't, and he was involved in that. Yeah. He's got those young new owners kind of in his uh, uh, wing now. Mm-hmm. And so if he says that he wants marijuana change, guess what? It's going to I bet you anything by this year, this time next year, it's going to get changed. Yeah. And, you know, because it, it's still some old school holdouts. And for whatever reason, you know, Roger Goodell comes out and gives that dumbass statement about, <laughs> yes. you know, weed being dangerous. Like he's just watched uh, the gateway uh, drug. Madness. <laughs> yeah, like he just got through watching Reef of Madness or some shit. Um, you know, but but what Jerry wants, Jerry gets. Now, this is very self-serving. Obviously, oh, yeah. he didn't really change his tune on this until they thought they had a steal of Randy Gregory. And now he might be gone for more than a year. Yeah. Um, but I don't care. Like, <laughs> the reality of the situation is, no matter if it's self-serving, no matter if it makes him look bad, if Jerry wants this to change, yeah, it's going to change. So just, you know, put your little bookmark beside that. Because right now it probably sounds like, oh, well, you know, Jerry's making noise. This not really gonna. No, Roger Goodell doesn't run the league. Jerry yeah. Jones does. Yeah. Well, and it's you know it's got to change too because attitudes obviously on this issue are changing pretty dramatically, and you can look and see the states, you know, where how states have sort of started to change their laws toward this, and you know, and I think that the the section of the population where it really hits is obviously you know, the younger generations. So the guys that are coming up into the NFL are growing up in a world where there's a much more tolerant climate and understanding climate toward marijuana usage. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's sort of absurd to think that, you know, expect a kid to go through college, you know, and not, be exposed to that or, 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 you know, or, or even worse is to like, let's, you know, don't take your best players off the field because they got caught with a fucking quarter weed in their car. You know what I mean? Don't, don't take these guys off the field before games. This isn't heroin. This isn't, you know, even performance enhancing drugs. This is, you know, 22 year olds with a, you know, if it's like a small bag of weed in their car or something. I mean, to me, the only situation where I look at is if they, you know, they get like a, a DUI, yeah, because they're smoking weed and driving, which is the dumbest fucking thing ever. Yeah, I don't care. Again, I don't care your your views on weed. Same, I feel the same way about alcohol. If you're drunk or if you're high, stay your dumb ass at home. Yeah. Okay. So if you do that, I feel like the same way they punish people who get DUIs for alcohol, it'd be the same or similar uh, uh, treatment of a guy who's high. And gets a DUI or whatever they call it in that particular state. Yeah. But other than that, man, you really you you should treat it literally like alcohol. That is my yeah true belief because you will never get me to believe that weed is any more dangerous than alcohol. I don't know of any heroin addicts that never touched alcohol and went jump straight to heroin, yeah. or even they just smoked <laughs> weed and went straight to you know LSD or some shit. Yeah. Right. That's the kind of, you know, say no to drugs bullshit we heard growing up. Yeah. That's just not reality. You know, more people who move on to harder drugs have tried alcohol first than they'll try marijuana first. And you can, you know, you can go look that shit up. Yeah. So don't tell me that you can't treat them the same way. I don't give a damn what the law is. You're not the law. You're the NFL. 
Yeah. Okay, let the law do the law. Let them, if they, you know, happen to be somewhere where they haven't decriminalized weed, then let that player suffer the, the, the uh, consequences of, you know, from, from the legal system. Yeah. And maybe you can punish them under the, the personal responsibility or, you know, personal uh, conduct policy. Mm-hmm. Not under the drug policy. It's just fucking stupid to keep yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, we still giving kids Wonderlick tests at the fucking combine. So maybe the NFL just ain't as smart as we'd like to believe they are. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, as, as shocking as that is. And then because it's funny, too, because you hear this is a conversation we're having. And then and the backdrop of this is the pain painkillers. I mean, you know what is a dangerous drug? Fucking pain, addictive drug? Painkillers. In... I mean, you know, the NFLPA you saw this week is throwing in behind that lawsuit going on. I mean, there's safe to say that that there's been some instances of painkiller abuse by teams in the NFL. Look, um, people ask about favorite sports movies, and they always kind of get surprised when I say North Dallas 40. Yeah. And it's because, you know... (laughs) Really, I don't think any other football movie I could think of really illustrates just how much of uh, a motivation the team doctors and, and team trainers have to get players on the field no matter what. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> they just were pushing uh, uh, pain injections in that movie. And this was like an old movie, I think like in the 70s or 80s or something. Yeah. As opposed to about the Cowboys. Yeah. But look, if when your job depends on guys being out there and playing, guess what? You might, you know, step over the line a few times. Especially if your employer kind of puts, either puts that kind of pressure on you or gives you the, that kind of incentive. Yeah. To keep them on the field at, 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 you know, at any cost. And look, this is a league that not too long ago was telling us that concussions were actually good for your brain. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, to, to, to think that, you know, they might have a situation where they're over-prescribing uh, pain, prescription pain meds, it's almost like a given. I mean, you know, it goes right along with everything we know about the NFL, of course. And so, again, that's even more of a reason to leave marijuana alone. Yeah. Because now you don't have guys having to come in and get all these fucking Vicodin and 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 toward all shots and and, and lidocaine shots, they can get some pain relief another way, a nat- a much more natural way. And if they stay their ass at home when they smoke it or consume it, what's the problem? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a it's it's a it's it's a weird time for that. It's just uh, we'll see what happens with all this stuff, but. I mean, obviously the weed policy is going to change now that you got the Joneses on it. But we'll see that the painkiller thing is going to be interesting to watch how that unfolds, because I think that's been such a huge part of the sport and the culture around that. And not just football, but a lot of I mean, you know, you you can look at a lot of the drug problems in the country today and over prescription of painkillers is probably a big factor in that. Yep. But. Uh, we'll see. Um, and it's a long-range problem, you know what I'm saying? Yo, yeah, yeah. Get a guy hooked on those drugs, and then they're done playing football, but they still have 
aches and pains, and, and those aches and pains continue to get worse because this is how the body works. Yeah. Then yeah, it's very easy for them to get hooked and stay hooked. Yeah. On those prescription drugs. So, you know, like I said, it ain't just a short term problem. This is a long term issue that, once again, goes hand in hand with the weed conversation. Yeah, yeah exactly. And too, even with like the Toradol, I mean, you know, not an opiate painkiller, but has a damaging effect in that teams were used that as sort of a prophylactic to, to kind of keep keep you flowing with Toradol and not necessarily as aware of the, you know, your body pains a natural response from your body. I mean, it, 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 and, and it gets players to play through some things that they shouldn't have played through. And, and that's a... Uh, you know, it's just as just as much of a problem, albeit a little bit of a different one when you think about drugs and addiction. Right. I mean, shit. <laughs> Look, we we were supposedly the the poster child for Toradol down here in Tampa, uh-huh. and it really blew up when uh, one of our players, um, a wide receiver, took a Toradol shot before the game, didn't realize he was hurt, and make a long story short, he ends up wearing a colostomy bag yeah. for a while. And so that's kind of when the whole situation blew up. So, you know, I just say that, yes, I've had a tour all the time before. No, you don't feel anything while you're on it. Yes, you feel everything when you come off of it. Yeah. And you just think about that in the context of me being a guy who I always say this, I was always on the bubble. My, my All of my seven years in the NFL, I felt like I was at risk of being cut, and a couple of times it actually happened. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, put that in the context of a guy who's always thinking he's just week to week, and if he misses this game, who knows what's going to happen? You know, you literally are able to go out there on the field and not feel a damn thing. So, yeah. you know, you take that for what it's worth. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, um, it's a, uh... It's a it's a catch twenty two. It's it's something to, something else. Um, speaking of uh, pain, did you see this story out of Tennessee? Now everybody has their hot draft takes. Apparently, you probably ought to be careful about just how much you take, how far you take those hot draft takes, and when you're telling a player that the draft pick is going to cut into his playing time, maybe something you ought to keep to yourself. But I guess. Uh, a guy claims he was uh, uh, got beat up by Taj Sharp and I forget the other guy, uh, an off- offensive lineman for the Titans at a bar in Tennessee after talking about the draft with him and tell him, telling them that uh, Corey Davis was going to cut, in, cut into his plane time. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny. I mean, we don't know the full extent as to whether it's an allegation or not, but it's uh... a... <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, for anyone that's ever suffered through draft Twitter in April, there's there's just something about that story that jumped out to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about the draft last week, Stephen, but obviously, you know, with an hour, we didn't get to all of it. Um, and, and we've had a little more time to kind of think on it here. <clears throat> Is there a, what else stood out to you about the draft? I think what was shocking to most people is all the offensive players going early and pushing those defensive players down. You know, we kind of thought that was going to be the opposite situation where you had a run on defensive players 
And then maybe you could get, you know, a quarterback a little bit later or a running back a little bit later or something of that nature. Um, but you got, you know, <laughs> the running backs, the quarterbacks all coming out of the way or, or three of them like out of the way early on in the draft. So um, that, that gives you uh, two really good defensive picks if you're Washington. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, and it gives you the opportunity to get your linebacker if you're the, 49ers that you say you wanted all along anyway, even though something may or may not be wrong with his shoulder. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I think I was pretty surprised that, you know, those guys got pushed down. Malik McDowell got pushed all the way out of the first round, I think, uh, if I recall correctly. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just thought that people were really able to get some really good full. I thought Jonathan Allen was the best defensive player I saw. And you know he goes later on to the, to to Washington, so yeah. uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of those guys be great bargains for those teams. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of draft too. I was kind of I, I after our podcast last week because I mean you know I'll admit in the run up to the draft it's it's pretty busy and I didn't you know I don't get to do a lot. Uh, obviously, spend a lot of time going through player by player. But I was interested to kind of go back and look because, I mean, one of the things with this draft was just how many defensive backs had come out in the first two rounds. I think it was a record, 19 safeties and corners. Something like that, I think, in the first two rounds. Or whatever it was, it was a record since we've been doing the draft this way. So I was kind of interested to go back and see some of those guys. I mean, like, you know, it wasn't a huge shock that, Lattimore was the first cornerback taken. I think it was maybe a bigger shock that he didn't get picked till 11. Um, or, or, and Jamal Adams being the first safety off the board, again, not a huge shock either. You know, Hooker then at 15 to the Colts, you know, which is a pick I really like, by the way. And then Peppers to Cleveland. But, you know, I think you're, you're looking at some of these corners that go in the second round. You talk about bargains. I mean, you get Sidney Jones to the Eagles. Um you know, Buda Baker to the Cardinals. I think that's an interesting little little mix there. Kevin King to the Packers was the first pick in the second round. Tez Tabor to the Lions. I mean, that's, you know, I was kind of interested to see that, and I'll be interested to see how that plays out going forward. And, and especially, too, with, with the Packers are a team that stood out a little bit because they had two second-round picks, and they used one on Josh Jones, the safety, and the other one, like I said before, was Kevin King, the cornerback. Secondary, obviously a huge need for the Packers um, going into the offseason. But we'll see how that plays out because I don't know that uh, you know how much those guys contribute right off the bat to a team with Super Bowl uh, uh, Super Bowl expectations. But uh, they definitely – they at least came in and, and knew what they want, knew what they needed and knew what they wanted out of this. So it'll be interesting to see which of those guys has an impact early on and then down the road. Right. And, uh, you know, the Jets, they went two safeties. They're top two picks, I think. Yeah. And they, they just got, you know, safety a couple years back, the kid from Louisville. Yeah, Calvin. So that, that had to kind of put him on notice that <laughs> – you, you need to step up or you're going to be stepping out here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and prior is a guy who's a little undersized, and these two guys are more conventional size safeties. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, they got Adams. I'm, I'm not familiar with uh, uh, May from yeah. Florida. I have to look him up. 
but he's a big kid, six foot two ten. So yeah. I think he and, and and I would assume he and Pryor are probably playing the same type of position. Because mm-hmm. so, Pryor isn't really that range guy, even though he's undersized. He's more of a guy who can play in the box too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm kind of interested. You know what? I'd pick, and he's not a defensive back. It's for the other side of the coin. But um, a guy, it's not a guy I had really was very familiar with at all before the draft. But the Bills, uh, Zay Jones, the draft pick the Bills took in the second round, the wide receiver out of East Carolina. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to look at him, but I know that draft Twitter was was uh, pretty high on the kid. Yeah. So I, I have to try to check him out one of these days. Now, I've been going back and looking at quarterbacks and a little bit at the running backs just because, like I said, once again, you know, seeing all those offensive players push down, those defensive players, I just, you know, kind of want to take a, a look at them. But I hadn't really gotten around to, to the cornerbacks and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, that, that'll be on my agenda. Uh, for the rest of the offseason, just to kind of get familiar with a lot of these top guys, top, you know, three rounds at least. Yeah. Because you expect those guys to play. I know that the Bucks got a safety too, and they've needed a big-time safety for a while now. It's been one of the things that kind of has transcended uh, the, all these different regimes they've gone through. <laughs> with this. You know, they, they, they picked the one kid, number seven one year, uh, like top ten in the draft, at safety. Mark Barron. He's playing Barron, right? And he's you know ends up playing a pretty good linebacker for uh, the Rams. Mm-hmm. But you know they 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 really haven't had a, a standout safety in quite a long time. So I think if they can kind of you know find one, if, they, if that kid, and I haven't watched him. If he ends up being a pretty good safety, their defense is actually going to be. Pretty good this year, I would think. Yeah, and what? It, it's not like it was bad last year. We should say, right? It, it, they came a long way last year because they, you know, they went out and, and got uh, they drafted a corner in the first round, like I said they would. They went out and got a corner <laughs> in free agency, like I said they would. Uh-huh. And you know, they just made do with some, kind of some some middle of the road safeties, but they also added uh, the pass rusher. Uh, uh, the, the the kid that I said was going to be a steal last year, uh, Spence. Yeah. Uh, in the second round, and they added uh, uh, the other guy that played for the Giants. So they really upgraded their pass rush, too. Yeah. And now they kind of have continued to add on to that with drafting the safety uh, in the second round this year. So they've been building on that defense anyway. And they I think they drafted another linebacker, too, So and maybe another corner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they knew that they had kind of focused on the offense for a while, trying to get some weapons around Jameis. Yeah. And, of course, they went with uh, O.J. Howard in the first round again. But they've also, the last few years, been really kind of focusing on uh, the defense and getting some nice pieces on there, too. So, yeah, um, I think, you know, I'm not the biggest Mike Smith fan on defense, but I think <laughs> they're going to have so much talent on this defense this year that they pre- should be – Pretty exciting on defense. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that you know, that'll be a fun team to watch because I, you know, we've talked about the offense before. Um, but you know, you get you put start putting it together on both sides of the ball like that. You know, you ought to make for some good games week in and week out. Knock on wood. 
Right. I think the NFC South, especially if the Panthers bounce back like I expect them to, mm-hmm. is going to be one of the stronger um, divisions this year just with the additions they had. And obviously, you know, the Falcons are still contending. The Falcons should have won the Super Bowl if they just run the football. <laughs> Sorry, man. Look, I hate to bring up bad memories, but hey, it is what it is. And I, and I said this last year, I thought that the Falcons were built for a nice little long run here. Yeah. Uh, comparatively. So, you know, they're a very young team. They keep adding talent. Uh, I wouldn't really high on Takaris McKinley, but hey, they added him, so good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, they have some nice pieces, some nice young pieces on their team. So, you know, they should obviously contend in the Saints. Yeah. They're still holding on to Drew Brees. So I always say this, as long as you have him, you have a chance. Look, he gives you a chance when your defense is terrible. Oh, yeah. So if you can just get your defense to be average, who knows what the Saints can do this year, too. Uh, yeah, and, and like, I mean, there's those have been some real, like, some of those Saints teams that where they've gone 8-8, eight and eight, or seven and nine, whatever, with Breeze, you know, right around that five hundred. You just wonder without Breeze how bad they'd be because I mean, I'm outside of the quarterback. I mean, they really look like you know a three win kind of team. <laughs> Ooh, I, but then of course they lost uh, center Max Unger next week, so it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. Because if uh, right now the thinking is that he could be on the pup list just when the season starts even. So that would put him out of action for, what, six six weeks or eight weeks? I can't remember. Uh, now, I thought it was like uh, there was an initial report, but then somebody else was saying that he might be back for the preseason. Oh, well, that would be good because, for the Right, cause, uh, because I know um, there's a center on the market now Somebody that I think may have just gotten cut or oh, something. Oh, Mangold. Mangold or what have you. And so everybody was kind of like, oh, the Saints should sign him. Yeah. But then like a day or two later, I think there was a report that it actually may not have been as, as bad as they initially thought. And that he might be back for uh, preseason. But, uh, you know, regardless, you got to be nervous if you aren't sure yeah. about that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do add somebody like Mangold just in case. Yeah, it'd be smart. Yeah. I mean, if your main goal, you know, and you're still out there, it's a check is a check. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And if you're a vet and they keep you on there for one game, you're going to get the whole season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I, I can understand if he had better offers, but if he did have better offers, I would assume main goal would already be signed by now. So, yeah. uh, it's good, you know, if you're the Saints the thing you got to remember is somebody else might lose a center too. And it might be a better, more attractive situation. So they would have some reason to go ahead and give him a little bit of money, I think, just to make sure they can grab before somebody else does. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you said you'd, you'd been looking at the running backs. I'm curious to hear you, some of your thoughts on that so far. Well, no, I, you know, I just uh, watched some of the uh, – the prospects, the guys that just got drafted. So oh, yeah. Went back and watched uh, Fournette's uh, tape from two years ago mm-hmm. when he wasn't hurt. And mm-hmm. I was just, you know, very impressed with the fact that his elusiveness is something I don't think people talk about enough. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he obviously he's a power guy. He can run over you. He's got pretty good speed, too. But he also can, can make you miss to a certain extent. 
And he's that kind of power back that makes you miss just enough where it's not like he does the big jump cut and you're with him, but you can only get an arm out on him. And an arm tackle or a fournette might get you shoulder surgery fast. So um, I think that he, he's going to surprise people now that he's back healthy uh, in that offense uh, in Jacksonville. And he, I think he's going to um, be a little bit more nifty than probably people remember because the last thing you remember is him limping through his last season at LSU. Yeah. Um, and by the same token, ironically enough, I don't think people give McCaffrey enough uh, uh, credit for running through tackles and yeah. his balance, being able to stay up when he takes a, a nice little hit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's, he ran between the tackles. Even though he's a scat back, he ran between the tackles quite a bit from what I'm seeing uh, of Stanford. Um, and so it's going to be a situation where I expect him to be out in space a lot more mm-hmm. with, with Carolina. But he'll be a guy who can, you know, catch a slant and take that first hit, stay up, and then get 10, 15, 20 more yards. And I think that that's kind of what they've been missing in their offense. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, have, have you watched any of Dalvin Cook at all yet? Um, I saw a little bit. And, you know, I guess some guys just don't test well. Mm-hmm. And I understand that that was one of the big things. Everybody's like, oh, man, he's running these very average uh, 40 times. I see a fast dude on tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I can tell you is I see a guy running away from people. Mm-hmm. And I, I see, you know, other running backs come to the game, and they're not running at, you know, at the same speed. They're not running away from people. So it's not a situation where, oh, well, those other guys are just slow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see the explosiveness on tape. I have no idea how he trained, who he trained with. But to me, I believe that he's a home run hitter. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's a guy who kind of has a little bit of everything, the balance, the speed, the looseness, just enough power to run through a lot of those tackles too. Mm-hmm. And so um, now, you know, who knows what they're going to do with him in Minnesota? Because, you know, after uh, what's the name quit in the middle of the season last year and the offensive line was so decimated by the end of the yeah. year, I don't think we really got a good feel for what uh, the new offense coordinator really wants to do. Yeah. But I, I do think that, you know, especially up there, uh, where you're going to be playing inside on turf now, I think, with the retractable roof or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, him on turf, I think, could be a problem. Mm-hmm. So, no, know, I, I see. did like him a lot. Yeah, and that'll be, you know, that they just, man, obviously the part of the, I mean, the Vikings, their offensive line was just such trash last year. And they never got that running game going. I think if right. you do something. You know, and they kind of went hand to hand. Yeah, oh yeah. Kind of hard yeah. to be a good running team with your offensive line. Sucks, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I just like finally what seven years after the fact I like to see like we might see Sam Bradford like live up to some of that promise. I'm gonna I'm gonna be eating. I could be eating a lot of pro this year. That's fine. I'll take it. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not so. I'm not so so full of myself. I can't eat a little crow when the time is right. But 
Well, I mean, look, I think he is who we think he is. Yeah. Right. Um, people kind of try to uh, make a big deal out of him having a pretty good start with Minnesota. Yeah. Not realizing that Minnesota wasn't asking him to do a lot. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I gave him props when he did make a few uh, nice throws, but, and, and you know, people going to, people who like Bradford and people who like uh, Tony Romo are going to hate me, but he's the same kind of guy to me. He's a guy that can make some nice throws and do some good things. Yeah. But I always think he's going to throw you out of the football game if you give him enough time. Yeah. If he has the ball at the end, he has a chance <laughs> to throw you out of the game. I can always trust him to do that. And I'm not sure if that's just a function of him being on the pressure or not. So, yeah. look, maybe if they can keep him clean, he'll do a lot better. And honestly, I think that's true of most quarterbacks. But it's hard to keep your quarterback clean, no matter who he is, in this day and age. Yeah. Dak Prescott got sacked sometimes last year, too. Yeah. He got pressured a lot, too. You can talk about how good his offensive line was, and that's great. But everybody has to, to play under the rest at times. Yeah. And in those times, I do not trust Sam Bradford. Yeah. So, we'll see. I think that if he stays healthy and, they, you know, they don't bench him or anything, he'll have a decent season. But he'll always be that guy that has a good but not great season and makes just enough bad plays at the end of the game to keep his team out of the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could definitely see that. I've seen a little bit of Bradford over the course of his career. So oh, we'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, this is funny. This is that time of year, man, where they're just like, well, I mean, we haven't even really gotten into OTAs quite yet, have we? I saw some rookie mini camps are happening here and there, but well, no, I think I think the OTAs have started. Uh, they, they usually start before the draft a little bit, and then you have the rookie mini camps, and then the rookies come into like OTAs again after the rest have already started. Sometimes I, I think it kind of depends on the team, especially mm-hmm. if they have a new head coach, but. Um, you know, I, the reason why I know the OTAs have started because you already hear story, stories about guys being overweight. And I think <laughs> we kind of hit on that last year. You know, Kelvin supposedly is my size, uh, <laughs> you know, 280 pounds, which the head coach disputes. But, you know, you get those kind of stories once OTAs start up. And, uh, you know, we'll hear stuff about how great these guys look in the underwear, you know, shirts and shorts and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I actually helped out with the OTAs, at, you know, in camp a, a few years back. There's only so much you can do in shorts. Yeah. Right? You show that you're athletic and all that, but there's, all, there's, there's only so much you, you just don't want to go overboard with underwear Olympics. That's all I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at what he's doing. Oh, you know, he makes this great move. And, oh, this is shorts. <laughs> oh, they're in shorts. Oh. <laughs> I just, I guess it's, we, we don't really till, it's not till August till we get everybody in the best shape of their, the best shape that they've ever been in. So. Oh, it's every year, you know, <laughs> best shape ever. I'm going to tell you what, that's, that's going to be my off season project because when we fire up this podcast in August, I'm going to be in the best shape. I am, I'm going to be in the best shape. I'm just can't wait to talk about being in the best shape. 
time in my life. This ain't ever. This ain't my life. Does it go really have a career year on this podcast? <laughs> it's really hard too because summer is what I, what, you know, it's hamburger season. You got the grill. It's just so easy. I mean, man, you just can't beat a hamburger in the summer. I mean, come on. And ice cream and all the other delightful things that come with that come with the warm weather months. Don't get right. between me and my don't, ice cream. <laughs> the only good thing about that is, like I say, like I always say, it's easier to melt off the pounds in the summer too. You know, you just yeah. walk around for a little while outside, especially down here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about uh, where you live, but here. You know, you walk around the block for five minutes. You don't lost their cake or whatever you just ate. <laughs> you, know, you come back drenched and <laughs> clothes all just soggy. You know, it's just it, you don't play down here, man. There's humidity and stuff too. So I never have to worry about really gaining weight in the summer as long as I don't just post up in the house under the AC, which is very comfortable. Oh yeah, but get out the house a little bit. It don't take much. No. You know, you, you, Walk around the block and you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, always kids, I see people out running in that weather too. It's like, damn, you're crazy. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I never to need you, to get in where that fast. <laughs> or if I do, I'll be in my car to get there. That's nope. right. <laughs> Otherwise, I walk. I swear I walk. <laughs> good i mean you know i will start to get a better sim at least with otas i know it's it's underwear in the shorts but it's you know it'll be good at least to start to get a sense of you know how some of these rookies sort of at least an initial snapshot of how some of these guys fit into the game plan going forward i think that's at least one sort of benefit to come out of that of course they always make them like even the first rounders at that point have to sort of it's very rare that it seems like it is anyway that the, some guys at the top of the depth chart just because he's a first round pick in OTAs, but but we will see. Steven, um, been a pretty good show today. We don't have just a ton of stuff to talk about, but we uh, we struggled through for the sake of hashtag content. Hey, look, we're pushing through. We, we're doing our own OTAs right now. <laughs> you know, we're just building build up to our mini camp, mandatory mini camp. That's at the, right. You know, end of the month or what have you, and then we take a little break before training camp. So That's right. We, we, I mean, we got our own offseason going. That's right. And uh, we at least we're in shape. You know, we're not we're not Kelvin Benjamin. At least. Well, that's right. It's it's short. I'm you know here I, I'm in my shorts. I couldn't even think of a more appropriate oh, way to do. There's another guy too. The, the, who's the guy with the 49ers that might get cut? They were saying like a couple of years ago they were talking you know about he was playing really well. Uh, the, the the guy for matter of fact the kid played at USF and his strength coach was like, I can't believe somebody drafted him or something. And the strength coach ended up having to resign. Uh, <sighs> I can't remember his name. But his, his number is 59 uh, for the 49ers. And yeah, he supposedly is so fat that they're going to cut him in May. So oh, I, I don't buy that. Right. And, and, and I think we had um, one of our reporters out there take some pictures of him. He looked utterly Aaron normal Lynch. to me. Lynch, yeah, Aaron Lynch. Uh, 
he looked utterly normal to me in the pictures, but yeah, people were saying, he's so fat, they're going to cut him. <laughs> in May? Like, I'm like, astounded. You really going to cut somebody in May? Because they had a couple extra burgers in the off-season? I mean, <laughs> shit, man. Times have changed. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, if, I mean, if you can't eat a few burgers in the off season, when can you eat a few burgers, man? I mean, seriously, jeez. Damn, harsh, harsh. We'll see what happens. Uh, it'll be a, it'll be a doozy. It'll be a. We'll we'll make it through the off season and uh, and we'll find a way. <laughs> yep, we will. All right, we will reconvene again and talk a little more football in the very near future. How's that sound? Sounds good.